0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. Dave and Jacqueline bring you up close and personal to the innovators, contributors, and creative minds in and around technology today visit our website portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. There, you will find a full list of our broadcasts from all across the technology spectrum, our social media handles, and related content. So sit back with Dave and Jacqueline as they serve up Technology Expresso, fast, hot, and intense.
2: everybody. Hello. This is Coop, and I am flying solo today for our uh, every other week version of Ask an Analyst and focusing on business analysis and how it impacts not only people with the title business analyst or some form of that title, but everybody um, in my belief and Jacqueline's belief, um, who's usually my co-host here today, um, that analysis is happening everywhere for everybody. So um, we're glad that uh, the people that are listening live love to have you. Uh, for those dialing or listening in later, thanks for listening. And never uh, hesitate to to shoot me an email. My email address is coop at b2ttraining.com. Um, we can keep this conversation going. For those that are listening live um, yeah, I could talk for an hour about the stuff we're going to talk about today easily, most likely, but I would love to hear your comments. So um, kind of working the, the board in the background is Javon and David. Um, so if you do want to chime in with either a question for me or a comment or add on what I'm saying or maybe even counteract what I'm saying, um, that's the best way we all learn is if we kind of discuss and debate and challenge each other to think different ways. So. If you have a different way of thinking, please chime in and uh, press 1, and you'll be able to uh, get queued up into the, the queue, and Javon will see you, and uh, she'll let me know that we have a caller, and we'll get you on the line. So, all right, so what are we going to talk about today? We are talking about robots, right? Everybody's favorite thing. Um, kind of, so I so have this start? My, my view here is that robots are going to be the next business analyst, so... Um, at some point, there's going to be a robot working with you, sitting next to you. You might have to hire a robot um, if you're managing a team. And, and why is that? Why did I think of that? Well, I was in a few weeks ago, I was in a science museum, and it was all this technology stuff happening and a bunch of different exhibits of things. In this one uh, exhibit, there was a big sign that said robots are learning XYZ, and one of the things that it said was problem solving. And I'm like, wait a minute, time now. Problem solving, that's what we do in the business analysis community. That's what our – overall, if you kind of look at our job, we're to help people make decisions, to help uh, take advantage of opportunities, to help solve problems that people have and make people's lives better. Well, if robots are learning this stuff, then should we be nervous, right? Are we going to be out of a job someday? Um, maybe. Um, and uh, if, you, if you know anything about singularity, um, this is something I read about years ago. There was a Time Magazine article probably four or five years ago that said in the year 2045, singularity would happen. And um, if you don't know much about singularity, you can look it up. But uh, the, the quick definition is the technological singularity is the hypothesis that accelerating progress in technologies will cause a runaway effect wherein artificial intelligence will exceed human intellectual capacity and control, thus changing or even ending civilization in an event called singularity. So if you think about, um, you know, the matrix was something like this, right, where we were controlled by computers. and um, So that's singularity. So they, they're predicting that this is going to happen around 2045, which is about 29 years from now. Um it could be a little scary, or you can kind of embrace it and kind of say, "Hmm, this is going to be interesting. Let's get into it. And a lot of us have, you know, problem-solving computers in our home. I just bought my wife uh, the Amazon Echo. So um, we just say, Alexa happens to be our robot, right? We ask Alexa a bunch of stuff, and she returns with answers and helps us out. So we're already dealing in a small way with uh, with robots and helping us with problem solving. Um, now, I will say, if you are going to get the Amazon Alexa or Echo, um, Alexa tells a lot of funny jokes. So that's kind of, it's probably the biggest thing we're getting out of it is her joke telling. But um, there are other things that Alexa does to help make your life easier, to help problem solve. Um, so it's here. Now, I will say most of the people listening to this podcast, um, unless you're you're brand new, maybe in your uh, early 20s, um, so early to the, the, the job market, um, this singularity or robots becoming the next VA, uh, probably don't have to worry about, right? Um, uh, hopefully, I have 15 to 20 years left um, in the workspace before I retire. Um, so from a work standpoint, I probably don't need to worry about Alexa um, or robots whatever form, whatever names they have, kind of taking over my job. I might have to, you know, might change my retirement completely, um, but that's a the whole other segment that we can do, and I'm sure the, the folks, David and Jacqueline with Technology Expresso, maybe they'll they'll have a radio show about that. Um, so most of you don't have to worry about robots taking over, uh, at least in the near term, but there are things that you should worry about right now. Um, so be thinking about robots, but robots is not the the near-term challenge for you. The near-term challenge is a BA that lives in New Zealand or a BA that lives in Ireland. So let's say you're in New York or you're in Atlanta or you're in California, and you have a BA that lives in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, you have a, a BA that lives in India. You have a BA that lives in China. Um, you can be in – Southern California, and have a and live in San Diego, and have a BA that lives in in LA, right? So uh, a lot of people talk about business analysis, um, and uh, and and the ability to to do business analysis anywhere. So there's views, especially in today's world, like especially in software analysis teams. What happens? Uh, a lot of offshoring is happening, right? Uh, a lot of consulting companies are offshoring development QA to to India China Ireland everywhere else you can think of except maybe in your town um, so the the next possible thing is project management and business analysis and people especially in the BA space here in the US a lot of times say wait a minute there's no way yeah you can offshore a developer you can offshore a QA analyst because they can be coding and programming in the middle of the night while we're sleeping. Um, they can be testing while we're sleeping. But people that know the business and connected with the business, they have to be with the customer. They have to be on site. They have to know the business. They have to be right there. Um, so, so I, you know, I used to think this, right? I used to say, well, yeah, why not? But then organizations started letting their workers uh, work remotely, right? So so that concept is that you need somebody in the business that is sitting next to somebody that's in the business. Well, yes, you know, at a time when technology wasn't where it is today, um, it was a lot harder, right, to, to work remotely. It was difficult. It was painful. Um, you would think about having to always VPN and getting kicked off your network and going in and out and being on conference calls where you know, you're the only person not in the room, and it's very loud, and you can't understand. And you, we've all heard the, and seen the video about the jokes around conference calls. Well, technology has really caught up and, and, like, has given us the ability where whole companies are remote, right? They don't have an office. Um, I know, you know, in the BA space, the IIBA is a virtual organization. There is no office. My company, um, so we do have a small office, but everybody else is virtual. Um, so the technology is there to to work remotely and be effective remotely. So you can take the next leap. So now, if you're allowed to work remotely, one, two, three, maybe five days a week. I know a lot of BAs that decided to move, you know, with their spouse to another city for whatever reason. They still work for the same company, still work for the same team because remote technology and people's acceptance of remoteness is is uh, is higher these days. So, so, take the next leap, right? So, what's the next leap? So, why can't I hire somebody if I'm in Atlanta, Georgia? Uh, why can't I hire somebody in New York? Why can't I hire somebody in LA? Why can't I hire somebody in New Zealand? Why can't I hire someone from India, right? What's What's the big difference? Yeah, there's time zone challenges, but even that, there's workarounds, right? I mean, people, so not only are people's lives getting more flexible in the sense that, oh, I could work from home, and then that allows me to not sit in a car for an hour, um, but do errands, right, or run out to my kid's baseball game. Um, it's the same thing time-wise is getting a little wishy-washy, right? Why, why do you have to work nine to five in your time zone? Right. Um, there's no reason why, if you're a night owl, why don't you work, you know, 10 p.m. till till 8 a.m. That's what my dad did. For uh, as far as I can remember, he worked nights. Right. He worked three nights a week, from 12-hour shifts, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. That's what he did. So why why can't you do that in today's world? So uh, for the people that think uh, business analysis and project management can't be done in a remote setting, you really have to rethink your thoughts. It can. The technology is there. So, um, and then right behind this remoteness is robots. So, so, um, so just as one, and, you know, things change so quickly these days um, that <clears throat> there might be something in between there. I think those are the two big things that are going to be challenges for our role in thinking about this. So, is remoteness and then, and then robots and how robots interact. Um, with us, and slowly robots are going to be coming. It's not going to be a Big Bang thing, right? It's like this Amazon Echo. Um, there is going to be uh, ways that technology is going to be able to help us and do certain things that doesn't really need human interaction. Um, and Amazon Echo, and like other things, uh, I'm sure a lot of you use Waze, right, for, for your GPS now in your car. And what does Waze do? it's a problem-solving tool, right? What's your problem? You don't want to be stuck in traffic. You want to get from point A to point B as fast as you can. So what does Waze do? It's collecting all this information, doing it a lot faster than you can, right? Um, You know, the old days of listening to the radio station and getting an update every 10 minutes is too late, right? You need real-time information. And so Waze is collecting all this information from a uh, bunch of different sources to determine what the fastest route is and determining where you are and how to get you there faster. Uh, it also calculates what your patterns are, right? So it's taking in this information. So robotic-type things are here um, and helping us problem-solve already. It's time uh, so though. where the, the robots can interact with people and make decisions on the fly like we do, uh, like humans do, is going to be upon us. Um, but let's let's go get away from robots. I think that's an interesting topic, but I think even more so and what's near term for you and what's a challenge and also an opportunity is is thinking about remote working and the impact of remote working on you. Um, so the the challenge is, well, my job can get uh, moved to a different country or a different state. Um, now there's not just people in my city that are vying for For jobs at the companies that are around me, there's people around the world that are vying for those jobs. Well, the same thing then applies to you. You can buy for jobs around the world, right? Wouldn't it be cool to work for a company in New Zealand? And maybe you get to travel there every now and then, Um, or India, or China, or wherever it is. Um, So think about if you flip the challenge to, wow, all these people can buy for my job. Well, you can buy for all their jobs. Right, so it's endless the opportunities you have, but you have to do a few things. So, what can you do, and how do you react to that? Um, so, I do want to remind you before we get into some of this. Right, I, I want to remind people to please, if you're listening, dial in. Let's have a conversation. Javon is is working the board, and she's there. Press one on your phone um, to get into the host queue, and she will. Queue uh, you up. Let me know that we have somebody to talk to. I do want to thank um, Technology Expresso for putting on this uh, radio show that we do every two weeks. So thank you guys so much. Uh, as David said in the opening, you know, go to TechnologyEspresso.com. Check out not only when the next Ask the Analyst show is, but they have radio shows uh, going on all the time. <clears throat> Excuse me, and radio shows uh, recorded and podcasts that are recorded like ours. And others that they do so go ahead and check them out um, okay so so what can you do we got this opportunity now that you can work remotely um, and you can work for anyone so what can you do so I've uh, uh, one of the things I've written about is the the four chords of business analysis and I think this this goes beyond business analysis it really goes beyond how to be a great team player a great employee um, so let me talk about that first um, the first piece of you know the four chords and this four chords idea came from um, there's a band a comedic band called access of awesome and they did a whole video on the four chords of all pop songs and supposedly there's four chords that get used over and over in different patterns and different timing for for almost every pop song that's out there. So they did this really funny thing and playing the four chords and kind of, it was like a mix where they would just go from one song to the next. And it was, just, they're really funny. Plus it was interesting to see like, wow. So yeah, all songs almost sound exactly alike. The the lyrics are a little different. Uh, the timing's different. The patterns are different, but um but they all kind of, if you're listening, especially when you're listening side by side, you see that they all use the same chord. So I thought, well, man, there's got to be four chords of business analysis, right? So the people that do this stuff the best, what do they do? What are the four things that they do the best that you see in every great analyst? So this is the first thing to focus on. One, you have to be empathetic, right? Um, you have to be someone that really cares right? That you're not just going through the motions, but that you really care about what's happening. Um, So, and that is empathy, right? And you need to look through an empathetic lens and really understand what's happening with people on the ground and feel their pain and see, not just stand it and talk to them about it, but go out and see what's happening so that you can determine best solutions and help people right? Um, this is back to problem solving. How do you problem solve? So you don't really understand what's happening, and you're not seeing, touching, feeling, um, and, and really understanding what those individuals that are dealing in the day-to-day operations, what they're going through, then it's really hard for you to come up with the best solution, right? I mean, you can come up with a solution, um, but you're not going to come up with the best. And that, that was one thing that people would tell me all the time, that I was able to quickly understand what was happening in their environment. And I think the, um, the, the thing is that I really cared, right? I really cared about what was happening to them. And it wasn't that I had a solution in mind that I wanted to sell them some uh, a particular software package or a, uh, a particular solution. It was like, I really want to understand so then I can work with my team to come up with something that really hit the, the end game. Um, so, you got to care about um, the people. You got to really want to understand. And it's just not having conversations. It's getting up out of your chair and talking to people um, and seeing and living in their shoes almost, right? I mean, so a lot of you on the line understand observation and job shadowing, that kind of thing. That's what it is. It's like getting up. Um, and you got to push, right? You got to push your team to be like, let's not just get in a conference room, let's get out and see it. Um, so let's go out and feel it, touch it, and, and understand. And it's also understanding not only, like, the initiative that you're working on, but understanding all the impacted areas um, and caring about them, right? It's not enough for you to help uh, a, a group or help your department that you're working on or help a group that um, works in the system that you focus on, If you mess up things that are going upstream and downstream. So you really have to have an eye, not only for the project that you're on, but everything around it, too, and making sure that um, the greater good is taken care of, not just the project that you're working on. Okay, the next thing, the next lens that I had in there, and this goes beyond business analysis or any single thing, is that you have to have a yearning for learning, right? You have to be that person that wants to constantly learn, Um, So finding ways, whether it's listening to radio shows like this, reading blogs, you know, watching or listening to webinars, uh, going to conferences, going to training class, reading books. Did I say that? Yeah. Um, Talking to your colleagues, right? Going to networking events and having conversations with people that have the same thing. You have to uh, have that yearning for learning. I think the best always feel like they never know enough right um and they have to keep learning the people that i see that are like you know i don't need to go to that class i know everything those are the ones that you're going to be in trouble because things are happening so fast and even if you've been doing this 20 30 years you don't know everything and you don't know the new stuff so now there's you know some some person new to the field that looks like they're more innovative than you because they're learning some of the new techniques they're learning some of the new language um, they're doing things a little different the way people are doing it today. And even though you've been doing it 30 years, they look like they're the, the smarter ones. Uh, where, so you have to keep up. You have to keep an eye out on what's happening in the world, what trends are going on. Um, the next thing is you need to politely challenge, right? Um, I think in the end, uh, it's not good enough to um, – to allow things to happen. And this goes back to critical thinking. You have to have good critical thinking skills, right? So critical thinking is about uh, looking at the situation, trying to get all the facts that uh, are necessary. And then at that point, uh, figure out where you have to challenge and where you have to question and not just take somebody's word for it, right? There's there's a great quote um, or a great picture I put up when I do some presentations, and it's a picture of Abraham Lincoln, um, who's uh, one of our earlier presidents, right? And uh, in the 1800s. And now you have uh, the the quote that it has from Abraham Lincoln is says, "Don't believe everything that you see on the internet." Um, signed Abraham Lincoln, right? So that's a case where if you don't apply critical thinking, if you don't politely challenge, you can't just accept what you see, right? There's no way Abraham Lincoln would have said that. The Internet uh, didn't really get kicking into gear until, you know, I think it started in the 60s, but really kicked into gear, 70s, 80s, and 90s, right, So, uh, of 1900s. Um, uh, so, so you have to be okay with, no matter who it is in the organization, to to fight for the facts and really understand what's happening. And be okay to politely challenge and push back um, and this could even be with your team members when you have developers right talking they uh, they might want to implement something that's really cool but you have to challenge them to to argue and get to a point where how does that help us meet our goal how does that help us uh, solve our problem how does that piece of the solution really get us to success that we're looking for. So don't just accept and don't just allow things to happen. Don't be a rider on the bus. You have to be a person that's really fighting for, uh, like I said earlier with empathy, fighting for the greater good. Um, the fourth in the the four chords, and I think this is like one of the main ones um, and that I'll always be talking about, is... Uh, Is working towards uh, networking and having a strategic network Um, always kind of looking for more people to meet more people to connect with and why is that and I think I might have talked about this before and my goal in life is to meet everybody in the world Um, and why do I have that goal and is it kind of a hairy audacious goal absolutely but I have to keep striving for it, you know, and if I could reach it before the end of my life, then great. Um, If not, I'm going to die trying. And my, the reason, there's a couple of reasons. One, I I value networking and I view myself as a strategic networker in the sense that um, I try to meet as many people as I can and I don't know exactly how our relationship is going to take form, right? I don't think about, and this is why I say I want to meet everybody in the world because I don't want to just say, um, I'm going to meet people at these companies, and I want to just meet people that have a certain title and above. Um, I want to meet everybody, and I don't know what our relationship is going to be, you know, a week from now, 10 days from now, but the more people that I can meet, the more people I know I have in my network that I can rely on, um, and that I could uh, get answers from. I always say I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I guarantee somebody in my network can help you, um, so well, I love I love that I love to be that connector of people. So that that's one big thing. But in in our world of business analysis, there's not a lot of time to uh, when you get assigned to an initiative. We're already behind, right? I mean, everybody wanted whatever solution it is. They already wanted it yesterday. So so we're already behind. So we have to move fast. You have to be quick um, and get to the point. Fast. So knowing, right, um, you're good at elicitation, but it doesn't matter what information you get if it's coming from the wrong people. And So how do you know who the right people are? It's by you connecting, right? Um, It's connecting with different people in your organization, outside your organization, um, ways to get information. You need to know who knows what, and that's what you're learning about, right? You're not just getting to know them, oh, I know your name, and this is the place you work. Um, and you have three kids, right you want to know more about them, what they know, what they like what what drives them, what excites them, what knowledge do they have um, and then, when you need information, you know who to go to, and the other piece of that is not only the information they have but who they know, right who are they connected with and this is politics at in in a good way right i mean in the u s we 're uh, in a real ugly kind of presidential election season here, or in my opinion, it's an ugly kind of thing, right? Um, so a lot of people think that politics is a bad thing, but in, in the end, really, politics is negotiation, influence, and knowing who you know and who you have to convince of certain things, right? Uh, and that's the same thing for you guys. So you have to play the political game within your organizations, and the the best way to do that is to network with people, understand who, uh, what they know and who they know. Because if you don't have a connection with someone that you have to get to, you want to be able to use them to help influence that person. So um, all these things I'm talking about are going to make you a more valued person. Um, so regardless if robots are going to take over or someone in uh, a country far away or the city right next to you, um, you need to – to become more valuable, and this is the way to do that. The other thing I wanted to highlight um, before we go to a quick, quick break is my good buddy Hans Eckman, who's he hosted a show with me a couple of uh, weeks ago. Uh, we were talking about strategic analysis. He he posted an article a few weeks ago around, uh, and it was um, from Fast Company. I just want to get the title: it was the four habits of employees you should promote immediately. So this is saying you know, what do, what should companies value in their employees? And this is something I think that uh, is real important for you. So the first one, um, this is four things again, too. um, And it relates to politely challenging uh, that they don't always say what you want them to say, right? So you don't want yes man, right? Or yes woman. And you don't want, uh, you don't want to be that person that, you know, looks up to your director, VP, and whatever they say, you go for it, right? You need the leaders in today's market, At most of them, I'm not going to say all, but a lot of great leaders in today's market want you to challenge them. They might might be upset about it, and they might um, get frustrated, but in the end, they want to be challenged, right? Because if they're challenged, um, and you're not just agreeing with everything you, they say, then the best results are going to come out, right? I mean, I had a conversation with a coworker worker today, um, and it wasn't necessarily leadership kind of role, but I was looking at curriculum, uh, uh, a three-hour online class that I'm developing, um, and I had an idea of how I wanted it to go. But I reached out to someone and said, hey, here are my thoughts. What do you think? And they challenged, it, and they pushed back. And you know what? The the end result is a much better program than I was going to do by myself. So most leaders want somebody to challenge them to push back. So you need to be that person. Next is that somebody already leads, right? They're not given a title to be a leader, but you see them in organizations that they just get up and they act like leaders and people are following them. So you want to do that regardless of your title. If you're brand new to the organization and you have the lowest title that you can have in the organization, you want to be that person um, that acts like a leader, that people come to, that you want to be that go-to person that people get behind. Um, good. And being a leader is being very decisive and taking chances, right? It's like uh, making decisions, thinking about it, making decisions, and learning from it. So do it, you can do those things regardless if you have a senior VP title or not. Um, the next thing is that they're invested. Um, so for you, you know, especially in today's uh, environment and work, it's like people move around a lot, right? And we have this more of a, you know, back at least when my parents were working, my dad worked at the same organization for, uh, it was 40-something years. Uh, you don't see that as much anymore, right? And and people are vested. My dad has a great pension that uh, he's living a very comfortable life. My parents live a comfortable life. Why? Because he's getting paid 75% of his salary or whatever it is. Um, we, we don't have that anymore. I mean, there's still some companies out there that have have that type of, uh, like so, people in in a lot of cases were loyal because they they wanted that pension, right? Um, and they were going to get that pension at the end. Um, you need to to find. You need to if you're going to go work for a company, you got to give it your all. Um, there was a um, someone that I know well that I was working with, and uh, there was something going on with the organization that she felt her role uh, was could be in jeopardy. Um, but she made a decision. To uh, say, you know what, I can just start now and reduce my productivity and be looking for another job because there's a good chance, or I'm just going to give it my all. And she, she opted for that um, uh, route to just put her heart and soul into the organization. And if you want to be valuable, you're, that is what's going to happen. And talking about robots, I mean, what do you think robots are going to do? You know, someone brings a robot in to do a job. What do you think they're going to do? They're they're not thinking about their next job. Um, Maybe as they get more and more advanced that they uh, fall into patterns maybe that we do as humans. But they're going to want – they're going to be loyal, and they're going to do and act uh, in a way that uh, breeds loyalty. So people want loyalty, um, and if you're a loyal person – and you believe in the organization and want to do the best for the organization, that's going to help you and make you more valuable. Um, And the last thing, and this goes to my yearning for learning, but it's somebody that is um, self-aware, self-exploration, that they're always looking to figure out, okay, what am I doing? What went well? What's not going so well? Where can I improve? Admitting to mistakes, right? Um, The worst thing is when you have somebody that is constantly pointing the finger at other people and trying to pump themselves up. That's just not reality. I mean, we're not perfect. So if you don't sit back and say, hmm, where can I get better? What can I do different? That conversation didn't go well. What was it that I could have changed to try to improve it? Right? Someone like that, not always pointing at, well, so-and-so, the reason why that went so bad is so-and-so said this and then she did that. No. I, I mean, You don't have control over what other people do and say. What you have control over is how you act. So you always have to be thinking about how can I change that and how can I get better. So before I go in, because next I'm going to go into some remote-type tips and how do you get better at uh, remote uh, working, uh, because that's the next piece, right? I mean, regardless of robots, your remote workers are the ones – that can challenge you for your job and you can challenge them for their job. So we're going to have a a short break to to thank our sponsor, B2T Training, and we'll be back in about a minute and a half.
1: This episode is sponsored by and features b2ttraining.com. B2T Training has trained and equipped almost 15,000 of the most successful and high-performing practitioners of business analysis since the year 2000. Our courses are developed and taught by the most respected and highest qualified experts in the industry. We know that transforming the way you and your team perform business analysis is not a one-size-fits-all approach. And we understand that your business analysis practice has unique problems and deserves a unique program offering. Using our holistic approach, we will identify the pain points that will result in the best opportunity for your team or organization to realize the change they're trying to achieve. Change begins with knowledge and skills. Our learning events also include ongoing enrichment and reflective activities that provide students the boost they need to sustain their learning and competency. In other words, we make it stick. Get your business analysis training from the most respected and highest qualified source of experts in the industry. Find out more about our public class offerings in various U.S. locations or call to speak with one of our training solution sales associates toll-free at 866-675-2125. Follow us on social media and visit www.b2ttraining.com. That's B, the number, 2, T, training, dot com, and see our full course outlines, blog, and free downloadable resources. We get it will help you get it, too.
2: All righty. Thank you to all the great folks at B2T Training. I'm actually the president of B2T Training. So um, I do want to uh, thank them for sponsoring this, this podcast that Jacqueline and I do every two weeks. Um, you know, with the summer months, and you see this with, you know, the... Uh, a lot of the the news shows and radio shows that you have on your radio in the car and and such, um, that the, all the the hosts kind of are switching back and forth. So I missed a couple this summer because I was on vacation. Jacqueline missed a couple, uh, primarily not because of vacation, but, um, we have her out there working so much. So uh, she's been busy. So she, unfortunately she's with a client today and couldn't, couldn't make this call. Um, so uh, I'm, uh, if you're just joining, we're talking about robots being the next BA. or uh, in the long term, robots will be business analysts. I believe that. Um, but for the near term, it's people that don't live in your city. And I think companies other than Yahoo, and I'm not even sure – I should have looked this up before. I'm not even sure where Yahoo is with well, – I know they're trying to sell off assets, and that Yahoo might not be around uh, very much longer, but – um, you know, they made a bold statement a few years ago. Um, the new CEO came in and said, "Nobody's working remotely. Everybody's going to be in an office," um, and that that was a big shock to to the business community. I think, and people were, you know, trying to get a sense. Well, is this the trend? Um, it really didn't take off uh, for for other organizations. I think there might be times that, um, and maybe Yahoo is in that that state of uh, you know, a critical state where they had to get everybody together. And it's a lot easier when everybody's together and to try to work on things and move things forward faster. But most companies are not in that critical nature. Um, So it makes sense that companies uh, have to uh, have more offerings. Maybe they can't offer more money, but they can offer a better lifestyle. And a lot of people are choosing remoteness as a lifestyle. I mean, uh, my wife and I, when our kids, kind of get to a point uh, where they're out of high school and they're in college and beyond. Our, you know, our lifestyle changes. We want to live close to a beach, so um, I will continually look for opportunities where I can live at the beach. So in, you know, ten year, nine years from now, um, I can just, you know, grab my laptop and move from Decatur, Georgia, and move to to the beach somewhere, and still be able to make a living and still be able to uh, be productive in society, but also live where I want to live. And I think that's what a lot of people like. Uh, A lot of people um, are not, you know, especially I feel like the younger generations don't want to be nine to fivers. Um, That that lifestyle of working nine to five, you go home at five and you have your family and then you go back to work. I think it's a much more work-life blend. So um, the trend is, to me, uh, remoteness, and, and it's not everybody in the same office all the time. So for you guys to be uh, competitive in today's market and, you know, a year from now, two, three, four years from now, and to give you more opportunities, you have to improve how you work remotely. I mean, there's, no, there's nothing else I think more important um, right now than that, um, there's. I, I read a survey, a recent survey by Meeting Professionals International, and it shows that virtual meetings are expected to grow at twice the rate as live meetings. So, um, so and this is all kinds of meetings. This is this goes from they talked about you know conferences um, all the way down to to work meetings, right, with five or six people. So um, they're growing at that alarming rate. So if you're not good at that, and what you do, especially in the BA field and even the project management field, you're facilitating meetings, right? And you need to be able to facilitate meetings well with remote people. Um, So the first thing is understanding the tools that you have access to. And I said earlier that the tools are there for you. Uh, The tools are available for you to use. I mean, things like, you know, GoToMeeting or GoToWebinar are well-known. Webex, um, Microsoft Link is used in a lot of organizations, especially a lot of uh, Windows or Microsoft Shops, right? I mean, it kind of comes mm. with a lot of the packages that they sell. So a lot of people use Link. Um, there's others in that vein. Um, and, but those, you know, those tools are more for uh, where you have to share information and pass the ball back and forth and let different people use the screens. Um, so it's not just conference calling, right? It's, it's actually how do we actually facilitate and use a whiteboard online? I mean, all these tools now have these features where not only can you share your screen, you can allow somebody else to share your screen, uh, to share their screen, or you can allow somebody to take control of your screen and now have control of the mouse and be updating a document. Um, so you have to learn about these tools and know all the features, right, that you can use and ways that you can get better at having a more interactive meeting rather than a full push. Uh, Some large organizations I think still have, you know, have blocked using Google Docs, but uh, Google Docs is a great way, and I use it with a lot of different colleagues. Um, I used it, me and uh, my friend Blair in in New Zealand actually used it to create a presentation together. So we're halfway around the world creating a presentation together and we're in Google docs kind of brainstorming and being able to update our presentation on the fly and seeing what Blair's thinking as he's typing and he's seeing what I'm thinking as I'm typing and, and just that ability, right? So we didn't have to be in the same room with a whiteboard. Um, so, uh, you have to get more comfortable, so with those tools, but then there's other ones there's a lot of chat tools, like my organization, we use sococo, so we have people um in all parts of the United States, and we're all in this tool called sococo it's s o c o c o uh stands for um actually, I forgot what it stands for now, I think it's social uh, collaboration or communication company, um, but it basically we're all connected via voice over IP. And on our desktops, we have a uh, a virtual office, and we all have a uh, avatar. And you can see when we're in our office. I can see when my colleagues are talking to other colleagues. Um, you can chat with it. You can share screens with it. Um, we can all when there's a uh, all hands-on meeting. We can all get into a conference room, quote-unquote, together, and it's all voice over IP. So if, if I want to talk to uh, my colleague Shane, I knock on his, I virtually knock on his door. He hears that, and he lets me into his office, and instantly we're talking. Um, so it's it's a lot quicker. So that's where the technology has caught up. So So not only do you have to understand how to use this technology and get better at it for facilitating meetings, but you have to get better with it um, interacting with people on a daily basis, right? So a lot of people, what happens is a lot of people work remotely and they're gone, right? They're lost. They're no longer connected to the other people. And why people like being in an office is because they can walk to – water cooler with somebody and have a conversation, talk about what happened this weekend and what uh, what they're doing with their friends or their spouse or their family, um, and have these little conversations. In a remote world, you have to do the same thing. You have to get better at connecting with the people that you work with day in, day out. So whether that's popping over to somebody's office and having a conversation, um, not about work, but just general um, how-do-you-do kind of conversations and small talk like you would, you know, in a lunchroom in a uh, in an organization, or you even set up. I even use words with some people. It's like, let's grab coffee tomorrow. And they're like, well, how are we going to grab coffee? I'm in L.A., you're in Atlanta. I was like, well, you know, at noon my time, I'll, you know, kick off a pot of coffee in at my house, you grab a cup of coffee, whatever you like, and we'll sit down and chat. And sometimes we use video, sometimes we don't, but just that, that mindset of sitting there with a cup of coffee at your desk, and you know somebody else is doing the same thing, it gets you in that same kind of mood, that relaxed mood, and it's not just all business all the time. I know a lot of people, we actually had our, um, a few years ago, actually two years in a row now, we've had our uh, holiday party, like a little gift exchange, we did that virtually. So we, we used Go-to webinar or Go-to meeting. I forgot which one, but uh, everybody, you know, had their video cameras popped up. Everybody grabbed a drink of their choice. It was around 5 o'clock Eastern time, right? Um, and everybody had to ship somebody else a present. So we were opening presents, laughing, you know, uh, had snacks and drinks. We weren't all together, but it had, you know, it had that same feeling. And this is what people are doing. So you got to get comfortable um, communicating and interacting with people, not in a live setting, but also, uh, not, I'm sorry, not in a face-to-face setting, but also in a virtual setting. And there's things that you have to get better at. So, uh, for instance, you have to think about. So your microphone, when you're talking, usually your microphone is really close to um, to your mouth, right? So your it's it's better to use a headset in with today's technology for the most part. So your microphone is right there. So when you're having lunch with somebody uh, and you're face-to-face and you're with them, you can be chewing, and that chewing sound is kind of not even heard for most people, unless you're one of those loud chewers. But for most people, you know, um, that chewing sound is not heard when you're live, you know, face-to-face with them sitting at the table. And there's a lot of background noise that's going on at a restaurant or cafeteria at your desk, wherever you're sitting. Um, When you're doing something virtually, um, you have to remember where your microphone is. So you might not want to be chewing, right? Because if if you're chewing normally, it sounds really, really loud in somebody's ear, right? If you're a slurper, right? When you drink, if you slurp, um, if you do that when you're face-to-face, most people don't hear it as well. But when you're doing it right in your microphone, but, right, you, you hear that, and it's really loud for everybody else, so it throws them off. And have you ever been on a call with someone where they're at their home office, or maybe they're even uh, in their office, and they go to a refrigerator that dispenses water, and they're filling up their water jug or their water cup, um, and it just so happens that where they're filling it up is very close to their microphone for their phone? What do you think that sounds like? I know some of you have heard this before, right? It's disgusting. You're not sure where that person is. So uh, you don't want to be feeling, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll let you ask a friend or you can email me and I'll somehow communicate to you what it sounds like. But uh, some of you have heard it and it's not good, right? So you need to be self-aware of what's going on around you and what things can sound like via a telephone or a a microphone or a headset. so you're chewing, you're slurping, you're filling up water, things like that. you got to be careful and understand that the sounds are different in a face-to-face environment than a live environment. Um, so what else do I have for you? What else can you do? Uh, we did talk about um, uh, your ability to use the tools to facilitate meetings but also just general interaction. Um the, the one thing that you have to get uh, okay with, too, is using multi-channel conversations. I think that's one of the last things that I wanted to hit on is that – now, um, this kind of goes against some things that I understand, know, and believe in, uh, but you have to get comfortable somehow to kind of switch tasks. So I'm a big believer that we cannot multitask, right? Just think about if I was trying to do this radio show – while I was trying to answer an email from somebody, how effective would that be? How broken up would my cadence be? It would be completely off, right? So you have to get better um, at using multi-channel with switch tasks. So we we don't multitask. We are constantly switch-tasking, right? Um, So, you know, there's people out there that claim, you know, they're even on LinkedIn in their resumes that I am – a multitasker, right? I'm the ultimate multitasker. Well, that's not really a good thing. Uh, one, I think you it's really hard to do. There's very few things that you can multitask, right? I mean, you can, you can be ironing clothes and watching TV, um, but are you getting all the things in from the TV show? Probably not. Um, or do you add a few extra creases if you're really focusing on what's happening in the show? Um, are you really doing a great job ironing? Probably not. Uh, can you rub your belly and pat your head? Some of us can. That, that could be considered multitasking. But for the stuff that we do, when we're supposed to be engaged on phone calls or engaged in a meeting and we're thinking about something else, if we're doing something else, we're really not uh, effective, right? And we're not the most productive that we can be. So uh, because what you're doing is switch tasking. You're going back and forth to one thing to another. So I even talked about today, I had that conversation about working on that online learning class, there was a point in the conversation where uh, my colleague just went silent, and I was like, hello, yeah, anybody home? And she was like, oh, sorry, I I got this email I was expecting from someone that I have to react to, so I ignored you for a second, right? Um, So there's no, she can't be listening and responding to me and, you know, reading an email and responding to the email at the same time. It just doesn't happen. So we switch right? We switch back and forth. Um, So so now I'm going to tell you that there are some cases that you need to try to do your best multitasking or at least switch tasking. And that's when you're in a remote world, you need to be comfortable with multi-channel. So you might be on a conference call, having a call with someone. But at the same time, if you're working remotely, you might have to send messages to people the uh, a chat right, um, and I was on a call yesterday that I was listening to somebody talking something in a conference on a conference call, but it also had the chat feature, and I was typing and talking to somebody else behind the scenes because um, I wanted to figure out when was the best time for me to ask a certain question. So I was still half listening, uh, but also doing this chat. So you have to know when to do it, but you have to be comfortable with using multiple things. So you have to be able to have your email open and ready to use. You have to have your chat open and ready to go uh, while you're also in a conference call trying to listen. And a good example of that, especially if you're facilitating is if you're not hearing from somebody that's on the line. And I do this every now and then, like if I have a group of five people that we're talking to and I'm getting good interaction from uh, for the people, but not the fifth, I'll send them a little chat or I'll send them a text and ask what's going on. Like, I haven't heard from you, you know, something going on and we should, you know, do you want to talk offline or why aren't you chiming in? And the reason to do that offline is I don't want to call them out. Um, in a face-to-face environment, it's obvious to everybody that that person is not talking, right? Um, And so, uh, you know, in that case, if there was five other people in the room and one person's not talking, I might even say, hey, and they know that I'm not doing it maliciously. So I'll say, hey, Joe, you know, I haven't heard you chime in. Are you good with everything? Um, Or, you know, can I give you some time to add your thoughts in? Maybe everybody else is talking so fast and so fluid that they didn't feel there was a good time to jump in. But when you're remote, it could – feel like you're calling them out, right? Um, And they're not comfortable um, to say anything. So you use a back channel, a chat, a text, to kind of try to communicate them while you're keeping the session facilitated. And it's not easy, right? I mean, if you think about it, if you ever watched, and I used to work for Turner Sports, so I got a chance to see, uh, like, producers in, uh, in, you know, in the, the newsroom or in the the room where like all the TVs and they see all the camera angles and they're listening to the, uh, the announcers and they're giving the announcers kind of direction on things to do. And they're also giving the people that are running the cameras, they're giving them direction. They're like that ultimate producer of pointing and keeping an eye on five or six, maybe more things that are going on and able to quickly react and if, you, if you've never seen it before, it's really like an amazing thing. And, and you'll talk to producers like that, and it's like nothing for them. They're like, oh, no, that wasn't a big deal. But they get so used to seeing things, and they know what they're looking for, so they can quickly see things and react and know what to react and know what to prioritize. So to them, it's like, oh, no, that wasn't a big deal. And it's got to be the same thing for you. You've got to get to a point where you can be facilitating a meeting keeping track of everybody's uh, interactions, being able to control the offline things that are going on um, to be effective. And that's really where you have to spend a lot of your time um, to get better. Now, we, like in the classes that we run virtually and a lot of the webinars that we do, um, just in, you know, doing this radio show, it's not just me, right? I'm not keeping an eye on on the panel to make sure the sound is good, that people are having trouble connecting or people want to talk. Um, we have Javon and David that are kind of watching out for that stuff. So, so it goes, you know, if you're not, uh, well, there's two things. One, there's situations where you should have somebody quote unquote producing for you and keeping kind of the remote pieces up and running. Um, but at the same time, you don't always have Uh, the need for somebody else or the opportunity or the option to use somebody else. So you have to get better and you have to do a better job. So hopefully, you know, I want to wrap up just um, again, talking about our good friends or soon to be friends, the robots. Um, You know, there's movies that keep coming out that it used to sound so far fetched, like there's no way that's going to happen, uh, but it is around the corner. So, um, but I don't want you to worry as much about robots as I want you to think about the opportunities that are out there for you to uh, work from anywhere and for anyone and wherever they are. And I think the way you get better at that, a big part, I talked about the four chords of business analysis and I talked about, you know, the article that Hans sent me around the, the qualities or the habits of employees that you should promote. So those qualities and characteristics But really uh, another really important thing is getting comfortable working remotely and interacting with people in a remote fashion, Um, keeping those friendships, those, uh, those personal side, right? We like to work with people that we have personal connections with, right? Um, And you can still have personal connections with people remotely, um, you don't have to be with them every day face-to-face seeing them. You can really have good personal connections. So you got to figure out how. what's the best way to interact with people, and you have to get comfortable with the technology that's out there. If you're still a pen and paper person, um, it's going to be difficult long-term uh, to, to add as much value to an organization as other people. And the, you know, let's face it, the younger generation, like my daughter, who's nine, teaches my wife how to use all the technology um, in the house, right? So th- why does she know it? Because she just grew up in that mode, right? It was technology was all around her the day she was born. So, um, so the, the generations coming up are naturally good with that. Um, So if you're a manager, that's what they want to use. They want to be able to work remotely. They can work remotely. They can be effective. Um, So you want to be able to offer um, – so for managers hiring people and wanting to get um, the, the, the new generation or the next generation coming into the business environment, those are things that you have to put in place. So you have to get better at it, but you also have to set up an environment where it's there and people can be effective in it. So thank you guys very much. Um, I was sad that Jacqueline couldn't join me today, but we had a, you know, the show must go on, as they say. And I'm Coop from B2T Training. Uh, Come check us out at our site and all the things that we have to offer. Maybe we can work together and partner together to uh, help develop the skills of your staff um, so that they can improve and get better at what they do. Um, you can visit us at www.b2ttraining.com. So there's two T's in a row. Come check us out. And again, I want to thank uh, David and Javon running the board in the background and uh, Technology Espresso for putting this on. And we're going to end with uh, another note from our sponsor, B2T Training, and we'll see you guys in two weeks.
1: This episode is sponsored by and features b2ttraining.com. B2T Training has trained and equipped almost 15,000 of the most successful and high-performing practitioners of business analysis since the year 2000. Our courses are developed and taught by the most respected and highest qualified experts in the industry. We know that transforming the way you and your team perform business analysis is not a one-size-fits-all approach and we understand that your business analysis practice has unique problems and deserves a unique program offering. Using our holistic approach, we will identify the pain points that will result in the best opportunity for your team or organization to realize the change they're trying to achieve. Change begins with knowledge and skills. Our learning events also include ongoing enrichment and reflective activities that provide students the boost they need to sustain their learning and competency In other words, we make it stick. Get your business analysis training from the most respected and highest qualified source of experts in the industry. Find out more about our public class offerings in various U.S. locations or call to speak with one of our training solution sales associates toll-free at 866-675-2125. Follow us on social media and visit www.b2ttraining.com. That's B, the number, 2, ttraining.com and see our full course outlines, blog, and free downloadable resources. We get it. We'll help you get it, too.
0: You have been listening to Technology Expresso Cafe Radio.
1: For a full list
0: of our podcasts, social media handles, and upcoming shows, visit our web portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. Join our text club and get monthly alerts of upcoming events and initiatives. Text the phrase Full steam Ahead to 41411. Financial support and donations of any denominations are welcome. Your contributions help us sustain and reach undeserved communities who benefit from the many programs, role models, and technologists that we showcase. Thanks to our sponsors, partners, and thank you, our listeners. And remember, we encourage you to listen.